Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here on Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, World War One ended 100 years ago this November. The 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. That war ended. It had started uh, years before. Those who started it presumed it would be a short affair. By the time it was over, people referred to it as the war to end all wars. There were, across Europe, entire villages and towns that lost all the men who lived there. Sons grew up fatherless, as did daughters. Sons became men in those villages without men to look up to. They had to uh, man the crops and the fields and, and the tillers and the plows. Some of them came of age and also went off to war to fight with their fathers and did not come home. Others did come home shattered, broken, bruised, mentally and physically. To this day, the continent of Europe stops at the top of the hour of the 11th hour of that 11th day of that 11th month and remembers what happened in World War I. It was an event unlike any other, including for many World War II. Although World War II was horrific in its scale, uh, nothing exists in the memory of Europe like World War I. The scars are still there. Men who could barely move five feet on the battlefield without getting gunned down. A battlefield on the Western Front that froze in place or men replacing men who had died for months and years on end until the tide turned, the Americans entered the war. And the Axis powers, the the German, Austro-Hungarian Empire, they all began to collapse. The Ottoman Empire collapsed. It is worth remembering still, and people there do, because grandparents, great-grandparents in some cases now, never came home. And towns faded from the map with no one left in those towns. People just disappeared. You can see those abandoned towns yourselves. You, you can go on the tours and see them where no one lives anymore. 9-11 is not like that. But it also is, is like that in that the entire world witnessed it because they didn't have international broadcasts and satellite television in World War I. But by the time 9-11-2001 rolled around, we didn't have social media, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have Twitter, but we had cable television around the world, 24-7 news networks, broadcasting live the horrific events when evil made its way onto the coast of the United States in a way never seen before and hopefully never since. We lost thousands of people on September 11th, 2001. Many of us, myself included, were somewhere bearing witness to the events. We were somewhere when the towers fell. We knew people who were there. Some of us, many of us perhaps, knew people either directly or indirectly who were lost. I had a friend on one of the planes. I knew another who was working the election that day. It was election day in New York City. And she was lost couldn't be found. One of the polling precincts was at the bottom of the World Trade Center. I worked for her father. Luckily, she was safe. She had been able to run into another building 
but couldn't get out when the towers fell, she had to be rescued along with others. And even now, there are tens of thousands of people who suffer the effects of cancer and disease from the fallout, from the fall of those buildings. Every year, we just set aside a day like this. One day, maybe we'll get to the point where it's not a day where we should remember, but today is still a day where we should stop and remember and open the phone lines for you so that you can share where you were, what you were doing the day 17 years ago, those towers fell. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. There are, if y'all could see the phone lines right now, <laughs> uh, just just bear with us. Um, our call screener is earning her keep today. I, I, I really do think that maybe there will come a day where we just decide that it, it's it's a day we no longer have to have our presidents, all our presidents, our current president and past presidents living all in black, all in the same place with the vice president at, at the Pentagon or the World Trade Center while others are in Pennsylvania mourning what happened, remembering what happened. But I, I want to make this point, and I think it's a point that we need to dwell on, uh, whether I'm on radio or not. We buried John McCain last week, and there were lots of people eulogizing him at his funeral and in press saying they don't make them like that anymore. Well, yeah, every person is unique. But the reason we say that it'll make them like that is, is we forget the age in which he was born, and he rose to meet a challenge that he, a, a son of privilege, really didn't have to meet, and he did. But I've got to tell you that there are plenty of people, ordinary Americans, who you would have never heard of, who you probably have never heard of, who on that day when evil flew into the United States aboard planes rose to the occasion. The moment met the man. And the man met the moment. The woman met the moment. And they were heroes. Christian Adams, Lorraine Bay, Todd Beamer, Alan Bevan, Mark Bingham, Dior Francis, Sandra Bradshaw, Marion Britton, Thomas Burnett Jr., William Cashman, Georgine Rose, Corrigan, Patricia Cushing, Jason Dahl, Joseph DeLuca, Patrick Driscoll, Ed Porter, Jane Folger, Colleen Frazier, Andrew Garcia, Jeremy Glick, Lauren Grancolas, Wanda Green, Donald Green, Linda Grunland, Richard Gundango, Leroy Homer Jr., Tashia Kugi, Cece Lyles, Hilda Martian, Waleska Martinez, Nicole Miller, Louis Knack II, Donald Arthur Peterson, Gene Hoadley Peterson, Mark Rothenberg, Christine Snyder, John Telignani, Elizabeth Winio, Deborah Ann Jacobs, Kristen Goldwhite. Those were the victims on Flight 93 who made the conscious decision to crash their plane into the ground in Pennsylvania to spare others taking their own lives, knowing what would happen. Ordinary men and women you would have never heard of who were bold when the occasion came. 
ordinary people who became heroes, martyrs. Don't tell me that we'll never see men like John McCain again. Because every time those terrible moments come to us, Americans rise up to meet them. We'll be back with your phone calls. We are taking your phone calls where you were, September 11th, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Now, I would like to take your phone calls on 9-11. Let's begin with Daryl in Lawrenceville. Welcome. Hi, thanks for letting me share my story. Sure. We have a friend on Long Island, his name's Charles, and um, the bombing of the garage back in 1994, he was home sick that day. And he called us up. Thanks for giving me the head cold. He would have been in the garage at the time the bomb went off. But he worked at the Trade Center, and he was in the lobby getting a cup of coffee. And he turned around, and he said he saw the plane hit the other building. And he got out of there with other people, obviously. And he walked across the Brooklyn Bridge, went to his mom's house, finally got the train back to Long Island, and got home at midnight. And he did not realize that the Trade Towers had fallen until later and um and he was a vietnam vet so he was kind of used to this stuff but i think this really um wow yeah yeah Yeah, he went through a lot yeah it sounds like it thanks very much for calling and sharing my goodness gracious chris and noonan welcome how are you hi um i remember that i was working a dead-end job when the towers fell and then soon after that i joined the military and that profoundly changed my life forever. My goodness. Well, thank you for your service. So was 9-11 what caused you to join? I was immediately, yes. Wow. Wow. There, there are a lot like that. Thank you very much for your service. What branch of the military? I joined the Army. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Chris, for sharing. Thank you very much for that. And thank you for doing that, too. Again, folks, that's what I'm saying. Don't say they don't make people like that. Um, here's Chris working a dead-end job. This happens. And he joins the army and goes off and fights for his country. Denny and Dagula, welcome. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, evening. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Uh, I was an eighth grade social studies teacher, and uh, the same lesson plan I can never, the lesson plan I was having that day, I could never teach again. My goodness. What, what was the lesson that day? It was Richard Henry's Lee resolution to uh, independence. My goodness, uh, that you know that yeah. that's kind of a lesson that people still need to learn. <laughs> oh no, yeah. I, I I I've changed it up a bit. Yeah. I made sure I still teach them. I, I get it. I, I do get it. Th- thank you very much for sharing with that. I, I'll I'll get around to, to sharing my own here in a minute. But I want I want to hear from you guys, uh, Greta in Norcross. Welcome. Hey, I was with my little girl Ora in Children's Hospital preparing her for bone marrow transplant, and we watched the falling of the towers. She asked me, Mommy, what does it mean to be dead? What, what's going on when you are dead? Uh, I think she was preparing. She departed two months later. And in a way, for me, seeing so many dead, and I explained her, I told her, we all turned an angel. So it was, in a way, easy for me to make her. Uh, I never thought she was going to pass away, but right. uh, it reminds me of her, her last two months of uh, life. Well, thank you very much, Greta, for sharing. Thank you very much for that. My goodness. 404-872-0750. We'll be back. 
It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We are taking your phone calls where you were on that day, 17 years ago, this day, September 11th, 2001. Patrick from Snellville, you are up next. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Hi. Thanks, Eric. Um, 17 years ago, I was stationed on the USS John C. Stennis. We were doing carrier qualifications off the coast of San Diego. And I got up, went to the galley, had my breakfast, went to my work center, started working, and noticed some of the guys were standing around the TV. And I looked and saw the first tower burning. And I was thinking, how did that air... How did that pilot not see that airplane? And the second plane hit. And the captain came over the ship's intercom system and said, fellas, I don't know what exactly is going on in New York, but something's going on. And I'll let you know what I know later. And then we got word that the Pentagon got hit. And the skipper came on and said, fellas, we've been attacked. We are at war. Mm-hmm. and uh, we did combat air patrols over San Diego, L.A., and Long Beach, and our our fighters had orders that anything in the air was supposed to be shot down mm-hmm. after that. Good grief. We, we started our deployment. Uh, we were supposed to go in February, but we, we started a week later instead mm-hmm. and on our way over a, a cop from new york city sent the john c stennis a package and in that package was a flag and it flew over the wreckage of the world trade center and we flew it from our mast on our ship and we put it we put it in the first the first airplane of the first strike package that t- took the fight into Afghanistan. Good for you. Patrick, thank you very much for calling us here, and thank you very much for your service and for doing all that you did after those days, rising to the occasion. I certainly appreciate it. I know all the audience does. Uh, back to the phones we go. Chris in Atlanta, welcome to the program. Hey, Chris. Hello. Hi. Hey. hey, I was um, I was in active duty Navy and I was stationed aboard the USS Ticonderoga cruiser out of uh, Mississippi. And we were in port, home port. We were just got home from deployment and we had half the crew was on vacation. So we had, we were ordered to pull out into the Gulf of Mexico and, you know, patrol the aura, help patrol the Gulf, the Gulf with half our crew because of what happened. Hmm. So it was just, we were all just in disbelief because of what happened. But at the same time, we were a little pissed off about it as well. Right. <laughs> yep. You know, so, but we did what, what, just like every other service member, we ended up doing what we had to do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, thank you for that service. I appreciate it very much, Chris. Thank you. Brian and McDonough, you are up next. Welcome. Well, hey, Eric, I, I wish my story was as heroic as the last two guys and, and most of the other callers. 
unfortunately, during that time, I was actually uh, serving some time in a Georgia prison for stupidity that I'd been in back then. <laughs> but we uh, suddenly our TVs came on, which they kept them off during the day. And suddenly our TVs came on, and about that time is when the when we saw the second plane uh, come in and hit the second tower, and it, it was it, everyone was just at a dumbfounded state for for a long time uh, that morning. But as, as time went on and we understood what was going on and learned more about what was going on, it was really kind of amazing to me. Probably 80 or 90 percent of the people who were in there at the time with me, they were coming up with any way we were willing to offer to extend our our prison time if they would let us come out and go and fight for our country and band together or go help in New York and band together and, and support mm-hmm. what was going on there uh, and then come back and finish our time. We you know, I, I have heard did. stories like this, uh, Brian, from a number of people who were incarcerated at the time and they just wanted to get out and go fight for the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know at least 80 or 90 percent of us were, you know, were ready. And of course, I understand why they could. But, uh, you know, it was just, you know, it was kind of, I guess, all inspiring, if you want to call it that, uh, yeah. to, to have that level of, of camaraderie and, uh, you know, willingness to band together and do something because it was such a major event in our lives. It was. Thank you very much for sharing that. Colin from Noonan, welcome. Hello. Hi there. I was I was uh, in Washington. I had a, a meeting at the Pentagon, and I had a few extra minutes, so I went to the post office to mail a love letter to my wife, and I was about three blocks away when the uh, airplane hit the Pentagon. Mm. My goodness. Uh, Good timing for you. You you know, I've got a a friend of mine who worked in the World Trade Center uh, on one of the floors that had direct impact with the with the plane. And he could not find his dress socks that morning and wound up missing the train and got in after the plane had had hit the building. And it just those those small little coincidences of. You going to the post office, him? I've got another friend who had a had a meeting in the World Trade Center, and her heel got stuck in one of the subway grates on the sidewalk in New York. And just it's just these these little bitty random acts of of divine intervention or providence or or just random chance that happened. Just it, it's it's amazing to to hear that so much. And and thank you very much for your service in the military as well, Major Steele. We appreciate you calling in and sharing that. Folks, we're going to keep taking your phone calls, uh, but we also have bills to pay and commercial breaks we got to take. So be patient, and we'll be right back. It is 54 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Y'all, don't forget to get the WSB traffic app as we have all the weather refugees coming into Atlanta. We will keep you up to date on traffic better than the algorithmic-based computer map apps will be able to do because we have actual live human beings and helicopters in the sky monitoring traffic unlike the computer algorithms. Um, Let's go back to the phones. Dwayne, you are next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. First time caller. Enjoy your show. I'm a music educator in DeKalb County, and at the time on that day, I was escorting a group of students, returning them to their classroom. 
uh, when I came upon two of my coworkers who asked me, Dear Dwayne, did you call home and check on your people? And I'm like, call home? What for? The other one whispered, he doesn't know. They say, look, you need to go in the library and check out what's going on on the television. So the first thing I saw was the look of horror on all of my coworkers' faces. And as I turned to look at the television screen, I saw the first plane with the tail protruding from the side of the first building that it hit. And that was hit. And uh, the commentators were wondering whether or not it was an accident or at that time they didn't know, was it intentional? They didn't know. And I said out loud in earshot distance of everyone in the room, I said, and I quote, that ain't no accident. Hmm. And I guarantee you there's another one on the way, end quote. And you can only imagine the look on everyone's faces as they all turned in an orchestrated fashion after the second plane hit, they all turned and looked at me and they said, how did you know that? I said, look, common sense, they're called the twin towers. Not only that, but uh, they tried a couple of failed attempts right. during Bill Clinton's administration. Yeah, you and had the, the, the bomb in the job. basement with the with the shake. Uh, Dwayne, I've got to leave it there because I have a hard break, but thank you very much for sharing that. My goodness. We're going to keep taking your phone calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, and then we'll talk about the great span and how it relates to this. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. If you're headed down 85 towards Noonan, you're going to get some heavy rain. Otherwise, everything is well south into middle Georgia now. On September 11, 2001, I was a lawyer. I had not yet been married a year and was sitting in our break room watching the morning news, eating some breakfast, and the first tower had hit, and everyone thought it was some sort of tragic accident. No one knew yet that it was actually a heavy jet. People thought it was a small plane. The news was talking about a small plane, and as they were watching the smoke come out of the upper floors, the second plane hit, and the world changed. Rumors began to spread. The Pentagon was hit. Rumors began to spread more. Another plane was headed towards the Capitol or the White House or where. Well, we know one was. And it crashed in Pennsylvania. And the world changed. People don't understand today. I've explained to my kids that on that day and for days after, even channels like MTV and the Food Network went wall-to-wall coverage of news Uh, feeding in news channels to cover what had happened. And that really went on for almost a week where you could not watch anything on any television station except coverage of that. If you turned on MTV, you turned on country music television, you turned on TNT, you turned on uh, the Food Network. 
there was nothing but wall-to-wall coverage. It was that big of a deal. Um, and I remember I had to be in a deposition. I had a law professor, Adam Milani, who has passed away in the last few years, and he told how he decided to become a law professor. He was a lawyer in Oklahoma City on the day the Murrah building was bombed and had a lawyer who had come in from out of town and demanded that they do the deposition that day. And he was thinking he had colleagues, he had his assistant. They had all been in the Murrah Federal building. He didn't know whether they were living or dead. And this guy insisted on doing the deposition. And he just decided he didn't want to work with people like that the rest of his life. And he lost and he left his law practice. And I remembered that story that day as I had to be in a deposition. A lawyer came in from out of town and demanded it. It didn't affect us. My law partner that I worked for, his daughter was on election duty at the World Trade Center that day. He didn't know where she was. She was okay, but he didn't know. And that lawyer from out of town demanded that we do that deposition. And I just thought, you know what? I cannot see myself long-term working in this profession. And that's where I was on September 11th, 2001. Where were you? 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Back to the phones we go. Kim in Atlanta, thank you for waiting patiently. Hi. um, a, A good friend of mine who she was working in the second tower that day and she was a couple floors below where the second jet ended up hitting but before that happened they saw smoke and everything coming out of the first building and then uh they started seeing people who were above the smoke come to the because the windows had been blown out on the other side mm-hmm. she was looking at the back side not the side where the plane hit and people were standing at the windows that were blown out, and, and they held hands, and they crossed themselves, and they jumped together, and they were jumping in pairs. And she said that, you know, I mean, it bothers me, but to see, she said to see that, and she called her mother on Long Island, and her mother said, it's a jet, and they're afraid there are other jets get out of the building, and so... She got all the people in her department, and they started down the stairs. There were some people who said, well, let's wait for Mr. So-and-so to say it's okay. And she never saw them again. Mm. Um, and she was probably about 30 or 40 floors down when the second jet hit. She was still in the building. And she got out. Uh, she did get hit by debris. But, um, yeah, she just, and, you know, and she just still is... You know, it had just profoundly affected her. She said, yeah. you know, all those firefighters who were coming up the stairs as we were going down, she says they're gone. Yeah. You know? Yep. They are. Anyway. Well, thank you for sharing, Kim. I appreciate it very much. Amy in Roswell, welcome. Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so, um, I was actually in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, had just moved there from Manhattan about two weeks prior to that and heard it, heard the first hit um, and went outside and, and watched the rest of the day unfold. It was very uh, something that you just don't forget. So, Yeah, I, I've got a, a friend of mine who was across the river um, and could see the World Trade Center and, and had gone outside to look when the first plane hit and saw the second plane hit and yeah. 
called out her husband uh, from the breakfast table, and they just stood in their yard, got sunburned, watching people. You know, people always say it's it's one of those things. That it's it's cliche to say that it was just a, a beautiful sunny day, but it was. It was a beautiful oh, sunny day, and it was, it was beautiful. The sky was, I call it nine eleven nine eleven blue. Right. It was beautiful, and it was crisp, um, and just. There, there are things that you take away from that day and you don't forget them. Um, yeah. And I think it's really important. I'm glad you're doing this because a lot of people um, probably want to forget this happened. And it's, you know, I, I think it's important for, especially for the future generations to understand exactly what this was and what it entailed. Yeah, very much so. Thank you very much for sharing, Amy. Jim in Stone Mountain, you're next. Welcome. Uh, hey, Eric. Hi there. I was uh, in Billings, Montana, sitting at the airport. I have been in that airport, tiny airport. A tiny airport. And the only information we had was CNN, and which is minimal information. Um, the first plane had hit and no one really knew what it was. Of course, I immediately suspected terrorism. Um, and we ended up being stranded in Billings for Mm -hmm. 30 something hours. Um, I know a number of people who are stranded around the country. By the way, Jim, you may be the only thing to have ever come out of that airport that was worthwhile. Um, (laughs) I, I, I say that because my producer is giving me a hard time. He's from Montana and, and he's, he's, it's a huge airport. <laughs> oh, it's tiny, but I do want to, I do want to give the Hilton garden Inn in Billings a shout out because <laughs> they put probably 40 or 50 people up. Yeah. For $10. There, wow. That's fantastic. Look, I, I got to let you go there, but, but that is, that was fantastic of them. Todd from Lawrenceville. I want to give you the last call tonight. Welcome. Hey, thank you for taking my call, Eric. Um, I was in the, in a Ford dealership where I worked at, uh, uh, 9-11 I was walking past the customer lounge when the second plane hit the towers. And uh, of course, everybody was in just complete awe. We didn't know what was going on. But to skip ahead a little bit, uh, that night my son was in high school. I got two younger kids, a, a daughter and a son. My son said that he was going to join the military as soon as he finished high school, and I asked him why. And he said because he didn't like what he'd just seen, and he didn't want something like this to happen to his brother and sister. So he had made up his mind that he was going to join the military as soon as he got out of high school. And he literally, his words were, I want to take the fight over there and not ever happen here again he graduated high school he joined the infantry and uh he was deployed to iraq in 04 06 he was severely wounded and uh was met back home he uh he was with us until september 14th september has been a rough month for us Hmm. september 14th is when he was wounded and medevaced home um, he passed away uh, September 22nd, 2012, uh, from his wounds. 
He was in and out of the VA about 260 days out of the year. Goodness. And to the to the end, he said that he would never change a thing in his life, and uh, and I commend him for that. He uh, he did what he wanted to do, and he felt like he didn't want er- that to ever happen again here. Well, I've met about ten of the guys that were in his unit. They came and paid respects to us for the first time last year, and uh, it was it was an honoring and humbling experience to meet ten of these guys that were in Iraq with him when all this took place. Well, and every this, one of them have the same story. These yeah. guys were all 17, 16, and they – so 2011 – I'm sorry, 9-11, mm-hmm. whether it directly affected us that day or later, um, it had a complete impact on a lot of families, and these guys – It did. Uh, it did. Todd, they, I, I got I to gotta let you go there because I got a hard break, but yet again, another example of people rising – Americans rising to the occasion – when the occasion confronts them. Thank you for your family service very much. Welcome back. Eric Erickson here. Um, I'm going to take back the show now. Thank you all for your phone calls this evening. Um, because I, I, I got a couple of things I want to talk about. And you know how the clock can be. It's all related. But before I do any of that, uh, I do want to make you aware of the WSB Traffic app, and you can consider this shameless self-promotion if you want, but this is really for your benefit. We are going to have a ton of weather refugees headed into the Atlanta area over the next few days. Uh, Make sure you have the people of the Carolinas and Virginia on your prayer list. Uh, This storm, Florence, appears to be shaping up to be very bad, if only because of the amount of rainfall that people can expect to get. Uh, But literally millions of people are being ordered to evacuate. Some are mandatory evacuations along the coast. Others further inland are uh, suggested evacuations, though not mandatory. Still, many of them are leaving, Uh, leaving in large part because the grocery shelves are empty now. I got a buddy of mine who had to go buy bread milk the other day and figured he'd let the hysteria die down. And by the time he got there, there was nothing. So we got a lot of people who will be headed into this area. As a result, we are the only we're the only traffic team that has regular air surveillance of our own in the air. So you will be able to get really updated traffic. Um, but tying into that is the WSB uh, traffic app that you can get iTunes and Android. And we don't rely on the products that like Google and Apple Maps rely on for traffic. We have our own traffic data. We have our own eyeballs watching the roads in real time, 24-7. It is a real investment in local radio that WSB has done over the years. Uh, And uh, several years ago, we contracted out overnight. I don't think a lot of you realize this, but overnight, uh, in the past, uh, there was a company that we contracted with, and they would staff it. And now, 24-7, WSB has its own in-house traffic team. And for a city like Atlanta, I think you need it. We're the only place in Atlanta that does this. Uh, 24-hour in-house traffic team with the whirlybirds in the sky. We've got people checking the DOT cameras. And we feed all of that information into the WSB traffic app so you can put in your route And we will give you real-time traffic alerts, or you can put in the areas of the city that you care about, and we'll send you push notifications for those areas uh, at all times, You can, uh, other than during Do Not Disturb periods that you set. Uh, I highly recommend the app. 
but I also highly recommend Doug Turnbull and the traffic team at WSB. Again, we're the only group in town. And I mean, I, I realize it's self-serving, it's self-promotion, it's flattery, but it's also true. We're the only people with a weather team or a traffic team uh, that can do what we do. The traffic team does a phenomenal job. And with all of these people coming into the city, they deserve a round of applause for the massive amount of work our traffic team does. Uh, 24-7 now, un- in-house, and we will be keeping it up to date and we will be keeping the traffic center manned uh, throughout as all these people come into the city. So stick with us here at WSB uh, and get the WSB traffic app and we will keep you on the roads headed in the right direction and get you where you need to go as quick as possible. ever heard of the idea of the great span uh welcome back by the way it's it's 39 after the hour eric erickson here uh the the great span Uh, let me give you an example of this uh yo-yo ma uh for those of you who don't know i love the cello and the violin they are my favorite instruments i i regret never learning how to play them i played the trumpet in school and i took piano lessons for a while I always wanted to play the violin or the cello, and I never did, and never had the option to do so in a a band program or anything in school, but I love them, and I love Yo-Yo Ma. Absolutely adore his music. Uh, I am captivated by the sounds he can make from his cello. And so the great span is one person can connect you. It's almost like uh, the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, Um can connect you to history in a way you yourself cannot. When Yo-Yo Ma was seven years old, he played in a benefit concert that included in the audience John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Dwight D. Eisenhower, and Richard Nixon. Leonard Bernstein, the famous composer, introduced him at this event. Think about that for a minute. Uh, Yo-Yo Ma, who is only, he's, uh, what did I say, 62 years old or so, he is able to connect us to a history that uh, many of us can't relate to. Yeah, he's 62. Uh, looked it up while I'm talking. Uh, so he played at seven for Eisenhower, Nixon, Kennedy, and Johnson, which is phenomenal. The, the whole idea of the great span, there's a website I read that, that documents these things. For example... Um, There is a woman who right now is getting a pension from the Civil War. Um, Yes, there's a woman right now getting a pension from the Civil War. Uh, Private Moses Triplett was 19 when the Civil War ended in 1865. Very late in life, he married a woman 50 years younger than him in 1930. They had a daughter named Irene. Irene Triplett is in her mid-80s. She gets a monthly check from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs for her father's service in the Civil War. Think about that right now. Think about that. Someone is still alive getting a pension for her father's time serving this country in the Civil War. Uh, We have right now on the, the planet no one left who was alive in the 19th century. We only just lost the last living link to the 19th century, uh, Nebi Tijama, he was the, the last known survivor of the 19th century, died in Japan earlier this year at 117 years old. 
when he was alive, uh, the Emperor Meiji ruled Japan. William McKinley was president. Victoria was queen of the United Kingdom and the British Empire. Think about that. And, and a few months before that, uh, we lost a lady who, uh, a Jamaican lady named Violet Brown. She had been alive since the, the 1800s, was the last known subject of Queen Victoria. Now, well, why do I, I bring up the Great Span? Well, at some point, all of us who were alive on 9-11 will die. Our children, uh, God willing and merciful, will live on after us. And they will carry the memory of their parents having gone through 9-11. And then their children will remember the stories of their grandparents, God willing and merciful. And great-grandchildren possibly will. But over time and distance, memory fades. And again, as I said in the first hour, I, I don't know how long you go on memorializing these things, but I know that right now it's still appropriate. But memories fade. What, what's so amazing, though, is how you can span more than 100 years of history and be only connected through two to three people. That's just, it's, it's fascinating to me. You know, I, I'm just one more story for you. Um, so our oldest living veteran is a man named Richard Overton. He fought in the South Pacific in World War II. He's 110 years old. He still drives, drinks whiskey with breakfast. He smokes 12 cigars a day, says he doesn't inhale. Lives in a house he built himself in 1945 when he came home from the war. 110 years old this year. Now, he was born when Teddy Roosevelt was president. He's the oldest veteran now, but when he was born, Henry Riggs was still alive. Henry Riggs was a veteran of the Black Hawk War of 1832. He was born in 1812. And Conrad Hare, the Revolutionary War veteran, and the oldest and earliest person to be photographed, he was born in 1749, was still alive when Henry Riggs was born. That's three overlapping lives that take you back to the Revolutionary War. You know, our distance to D-Day is really not much further than the distance of D-Day to the Civil War. Many of those who fought in the in D-Day in World War II had grandparents who were alive or fought during the Civil War, and, and they themselves were not very far removed from the Revolutionary War. Many of them, their grandparents fought in the Revolutionary War. It's amazing the great span, how few people it takes to go back in time uh, to get to very far in history through very few people. It's just, just something to points to ponder this evening as we memorialize and think about what happened on 9-11 and how soon memory can fade. It appears that we are going to be spared, Florence, thankfully. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, the storm doesn't seem to be veering towards the south. My kids are a little bit disappointed. They've been very hopeful for a few days off school because of a storm. Not going to happen. Uh, what we are going to have in our area is horrendous traffic. And again, download the WSB Radio traffic app. The WSB traffic app, if you haven't yet, on your iPhone or if you have an inferior Android device. We, we, we did stoop low and make one of those, too. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm an Apple. And tomorrow's the big Apple event. 
I get my new iPhone. I, I don't even know if I'm going to upgrade. It really depends on the features. I, I've got the iPhone X. That's actually the iPhone 10, but I call it the iPhone X, and I, I really want the new one. Nonetheless, I digress. Um, folks, in all seriousness, um, thank you for sharing this evening. I know we still had a lot of people, we always do, who wanted to call in and share. That's one reason we've been doing this every year, um, so that people can call in and share. A great unburdening people sometimes, they stew on memories on days like this, and it just does good to get it off their chest. That's what I'm here for. Uh, consider today a, a day of radiotherapy, uh, devoid of the usual partisanship and politics that we can talk about anytime. It's days like this where I think we have to set aside, much like I try to do on Good Friday, just to set it aside for higher purposes. And tonight, that was you all. Uh, so thank you for, for unburdening yourselves and sharing where you were and your thoughts on that terrible, terrible day. I appreciate it very much. Uh, tomorrow, we'll move back into raw politics. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh's nomination will be advancing uh, his nomination. The vote happens on September 13th, allegedly. Uh, the Senate Democrats can push it off for a week, but we'll be that'll be fired up. And, of course, we'll begin the initial blame game. Reporters already trying to say the president's going to screw up the response to Hurricane Florence. It's amazing that the thing about Twitter that is so amazing is you can see reporters already right now laying the groundwork to try to blame the president for everything related to anything bad that happens. Um, you don't need to politicize a hurricane, and people already are. What you need to do is pray for those folks who are in the Carolinas and Virginia who are evacuating, who are having to evacuate um, with this strong storm uh, the flooding that is going to ensue is, is going to be pretty terrible. Uh, and if you have relatives coming, um, well, God bless you for opening your homes to those folks. Be sure to download the WSB Traffic app and stick around on WSB throughout this storm period as we're dealing with this refugees from weather situation that are going to be making traffic in Atlanta even worse than it normally is. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Y'all have a wonderful night. <laughs>